There we go. We're going to be continuing our sermon series in Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 is on page 861, if if you're using the same Bible I am. Uh, If not, uh, again, if you're new, the scriptures are divided into uh, two sections, the the Old Testament and the New Testament. First two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. Last third is the New. We'll be in the New. So if you go about two-thirds, you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you can stop in Luke and find chapter 6 there. So, uh, you know, I've always wondered, the, the Old Testament, I understand. The New Testament is like 2,000 years old. I've always thought that that should be the newer Old Testament. But, well, we won't use that one again, will we? Uh, so, Luke chapter 6. Um, I've, uh, I'm in a great life group here at, at La Habra. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, let's have a shout out. <laughs> but um, it's been a great time. We've been together now for darn close to, what, a year and a half. And um, it's, it's great to, to be together, to pray for one another, have the encouragement. Uh, and, and that encouragement continued this week for me today. Uh, Brian Ulrich, our sound guy in the back, um, came up to me this morning and said, there's no such thing as a bad sermon that ends early, Steve. So, you know, with encouragement like that, it's hard not to... Uh... But having said that, I don't have a watch and I never bring my cell phone anymore. So, will you give me a wave at 11.05? 11.05. Or somebody throw something, so... Luke chapter 6. Now remember, Luke, uh, Luke is a historian. He's a Gentile who has written uh, Luke and Acts to a, uh, a gentleman named Theophilus to convey what has been happening uh, through Paul's imprisonment in the book of Acts. He, uh, uh, Jesus has begun his public ministry in in Luke chapter 4, and if we remember, we go back, he's rejected at Nazareth. He preaches in his hometown and is rejected in Nazareth, Uh, and, uh, you know, they get upset because he says that the prophecy uh, that the Messiah's coming has been fulfilled in their sight. Uh, He then heals many at Simon Peter's house, Uh, so his, his... reputation is starting to spread. He's preaching in the synagogues. He, he um, calls his first disciples, and then he cleanses a leper. And then in, in Luke chapter 5, a group makes its first appearance, and that's called the Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees and scribes are the uh, religious leaders of the time, and, and they're beginning to follow Jesus for, for a variety of reasons, but mostly to catch him in violation of some religious law. Uh, the Pharisees are uh, a fairly influential group of religious leaders. At the destruction of the temple in AD 70, Josephus says there's about 6,000 Pharisees. So it's a big group. It's a large group, 
and it um, uh, is an influential group. They, uh, they begin to question Jesus' obedience of the law, especially as it comes to ceremonial law, and, and that which makes you uh, pure and able to come into God's presence. So in, um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, remember, well, that was last week, so if you want to hear last week, you need to go on the website, but uh, Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector, to be his disciple, to follow him. And then he goes and eats um, a meal with him, and what do the Pharisees accuse Jesus of doing? Anybody? Eating with tax collectors and sinners. A violation of, of a law that, that uh, makes them impure. Um, and then in the next chapter, he's, uh, at the end of chapter 5, they question him about why do your disciples not pray and fast? Uh, the Pharisees do, the disciples of John did. And uh, again, that, that tension begins to harden into a controversy over one of the main institutions of Judaism. And in Luke chapter 6, we talk about the Sabbath. Uh, so in Luke 6, we have Jesus, one of the characters. We have uh, the Pharisees, another character. And, and the last character is the Sabbath. Now, the, the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment. And um, let me read that to you real quick. In Exodus 20, verse 7, 11. You should, let's see. Verse 8, I'm sorry. 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, uh, and then rested on the seventh. So the Sabbath is the fourth commandment. But it's interesting because it's the first commandment that is actually positive. Every other commandment, the first three are all negative. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The Sabbath is a thou shall commandment which is a, a positive and, and is something you should do and, and not, not do. Well, you catch my drift. So what are we supposed to do on the Sabbath? Supposed to rest, and we're supposed to not work, and we're supposed to remember. Remember comes from Deuteronomy 5.15, where Moses re, redoes the Ten Commandments, but... The Sabbath is to remember from where you came. Now, where did the nation of Israel come from? Egypt. And what were they in Egypt? Slaves. And when, when he tells them to remember that you were slaves on a day of rest, he's saying, remember what the Lord has rescued you from. Because guess what? Slaves don't get a day off. They don't get a day off. So we have the Sabbath, uh, but Jewish leaders made the Sabbath a day of work. 
a day of obeying rules that began with the thou shalt not. Now, um, in the Jewish um, leaders, the leaders of time, they have six categories of, of, of work. And then within those, they have 39 categories of rules. And under those rules, they have hundreds of sub-subcategories on rules you should obey to make sure you don't violate the Sabbath. Um, it's an interesting... Le- they turned the Sabbath into a very legal, legalistic holiday. Um, one of the rules was you could not extinguish or start a fire. Well, moving forward, these rules are still in effect, and and the Jewish rabbis are still interpreting them. So, uh, what does it mean for a Jew today to not start a fire or not extinguish a fire? Mike? Can't turn on a stove? Well, that's pretty easy, because we figure that's a a fire, but uh, they can't turn on an electric current because a light bulb has a filament that is fire and giving off heat. Mark Comstock is a, an overseer here, and he has some friends on the East Coast who are Orthodox Jews. And when Mark um, spends the Sabbath with them, he uh, He's the one who has to turn the lights on and off. And Mark, you know, he can be a little sneaky at times, so he tells them, if you're not nice to me, you're going to be in the dark all night long. (laughs) But the rule now is you don't do something, and if you obey this rule, then God loves you more. And these rules get get sillier and sillier as, as the years go on. So, um, it's, why, is it, why would it be against the law to drive a car today on the Sabbath? And these are actual rules I pulled uh, off various writings. What? I heard, I heard somebody say something. Anyway, so how does a car drive? Spark plug. Spark, little uh, fire, right? You can't drive a car on the Sabbath. But... Can I ride as a passenger in the car on the Sabbath? No, because the extra weight in the car would cause the engine to work harder and create more fire. So you can't even be a passenger in a car. So you see these rules. And, and guys, before we're too hard on our, our Jewish brothers and sisters... You know, we have a bunch of rules, too, that, that we do because if we don't do them, God won't like us. Okay, you saw the picture of me in 1974. What was the first thing I was told to do when I became a Christian? Get a haircut, okay? Now, that wasn't by the church leadership. That was by a few, but back in the 70s, Long hair, oh man, you can't have long hair. So it was get a haircut. You didn't go to movies. You know, Roger Albers and I were remembering uh, uh, from the 70s, you don't smoke or chew or go with girls that do. Uh, But there was a whole list of rules. 
And, and guys, we've carried those rules over to today. And we'll get into those in a little bit. So we have, we have Jesus, we have the Pharisees, and we have the Sabbath. So let's go back to uh, Luke 6 and look at the passage. How are we doing? Okay, good job. Uh, okay, so there's, there's two stories about the Sabbath. On a Sabbath, while he, uh, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, his disciples pluck and rub some grain, heads of grain, together in their hands. Some of the Pharisees said, what are you doing, what is, un- why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, they're traveling, they're walking through a grain field, the disciples pick a head of grain, rub it, which is threshing, which is uh, not allowed on the Sabbath, to eat it. Now, what other laws are being violated in this story? Pardon? <laughs> well, the one is, you can't travel on the Sabbath, okay? Now, are the are the Pharisees traveling? Yeah, they're traveling, but the real sin is, is threshing. So, here's a corollary application. What's the worst sin in the world? The one you don't commit, okay? That's dangerous, and we need to be careful because that leads to a legalism, leads to a pharisaical thought where... I can break this law, but the one you're breaking is worse than the one I'm breaking. So the Pharisees are, are walking with him, and they accuse him of, of breaking the Sabbath law, which they are. They're, they're not threshing. But whose law are they breaking? Their law, not the Ten Commandment law. Now, Jesus says to the Pharisees next, what is the absolutely worst thing a religious leader can hear. Have you not read? And the Pharisees step back and go, uh-oh, what have I missed? And Jesus then tells the, uh, the account out of Second uh, Samuel 21, or First Samuel 21. Um, he says, have you not read what David did when he was hungry he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those, I'm sorry, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. David is running from Saul and he comes to, to the tabernacle and, uh, and he asks the the priest there, Ahimelech, is that right, Clint? Ahimelech, Clint says, good, okay, so, um, and he says, what food do you have for us? My men and I are, are hungry, and the priest says, all I have is, is the bread of the presence, or the showbread, now, these were, were 12 loaves that were baked and placed in, uh, uh, the, the Holy of Holies part of the tabernacle, and these were to sit there for, 12, for a week, 
And then on the seventh day or the Sabbath, they were to be replaced and eaten by the priests. Okay? A ceremonial liturgical rule. David comes and says, my men and I are hungry. The priest says, all I have is a ceremonial bread. Here, take it. And David is not rebuked for, for, uh, for breaking the law because the higher law of the Sabbath is, is not to bind men, but to free men, not to, to hinder them and make them suffer, but to, to meet their needs and, and allow them to rejoice. So the priest could have said, I'm sorry, that is holy bread. You and your men cannot eat it. You'll have to go somewhere else. And Jesus then says to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath is about Jesus. Jesus isn't about the Sabbath. And, and, and the idea of resting is, is to remember what God has done and to remember from where we have come, not to be strangled by hundreds of rules and, and to worry about whether you're obeying them or everything's okay or is God going to hate me today and will he love me tomorrow? I find it interesting that Jesus did not say to the Pharisees, don't worry, in a couple of years the Sabbath won't matter anymore. And he could have said that because, that, hey, you, know, you guys are being legalistic, you know. After Jesus is, is uh, resurrected and, and ascends and, and the gospel will be about the, the free gift, then all these rules will be gone. And the rules are gone that, that you trust in. The rules are still there for a purpose. Some have gone away. Uh, you know, the, the vision of Peter where, where all the dietary laws are, uh, are made clean. But you know, the Sabbath is still part of who Jesus is. He doesn't do away with the Sabbath. Uh, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, um, the author says, so, there, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from him. See, when we enter into the Sabbath rest, we cease striving for salvation. That's the rest. When God looks at his creation and says, it is good, when we look at Jesus on the cross, we hear, it is finished. The work of salvation is finished. We don't have to strive for that anymore. When I first came to Whittier Hills, uh, 1971 or so, uh, I came because a girl I was dating, family attended. And, you know, they liked me better if I went to church. So if I obey a rule, 
they like me. So it was a Sunday evening, and I didn't understand that anyway. Sunday evening, you already went in the morning. Why are you going in the evening? Um, but Don Watson uh, preached a sermon, and he said at the end, every head bowed, every eye closed. And then he said, everybody who knows you're going to heaven, raise your hand. Well, I peeked, and I was angry at the audacity of those people to think that you could ever know you were going to heaven. That was the great unknown. You know, it's the scales. You put the good on one side, you put the bad on the other, and, and when you get to heaven, you hope the good outweighs the bad. I was a a rule obeyer, not a good one, (laughs) but a rule obeyer, and that was my relationship with God at the time. Now, about a year later, it suddenly made sense, and and I came to faith. I I trusted in the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that whole idea of works continues to live even in a believer, that there are rules we have to obey, and something we do can make God love us more. So, Dana and I are, uh, are married. We have three kids. Uh, we're getting ready for church Sunday morning. You remember the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning? Yeah, that's not a Christian hymn, okay? <laughs> so, uh, we're getting ready. We get in the family station wagon put the kids in the car seats, and, uh, and I turn on the car, and, and the check oil light is on. Uh, so we drive to, there used to be a 76 station on uh, uh, First and Leffingwell. See, you get a history lesson with me also, okay? So we pull in there, I uh, op- get out, open the hood, check the oil, I'm a quart low, uh, get a quart of oil, put the, the bang, the, the little handle thing in. Uh, I take the lid off the, the oil thing, and I drop it. But it doesn't hit the ground. Okay, it is somewhere between the engine and the ground. And I look in there, and I can't see it, and I'm in a hurry, and I don't know what's going on. And I slam my hand on the radiator and say, after all the things I've done for you. And I step away from the car so my family won't be incinerated by the lightning. <laughs> but, but that lives in our hearts even as believers. That somehow we can earn God's favor. Okay? Okay. Uh, Jesus said it is finished. The work of salvation payment work. And I'll tell you, there is nothing worse than working for something you cannot possibly earn. And that's the argument that Jesus makes with the Pharisees. Why the rules? I'm about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about rest. The Sabbath is about 
uh, Jesus or God completing his creation. The Sabbath is about Jesus' work being finished. And then it's to remember that we came out of slavery. And you know, guys, we, we don't have personal experience in slavery, but we were all slaves to sin because of the rebellion we, we had against the creator of the universe. And when I say rebellion, I'm not talking a little white lie. I'm talking we put our fist in God's face and told him, you can't tell me what to do. That's a rebellion that Jesus came to die on the cross and say, it is finished. And that's the rest we can enter into when, when, uh, when we accept that, that gift of salvation. The next account, how are we doing? Five? Okay, five minutes. The next one is, um, again, on a Sabbath, Jesus enters the synagogue and is teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. Okay, the man hadn't come for healing. He was in the, the synagogue to, to be taught on the Sabbath, but his right hand is withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they might find reason to accuse him. Again, you know, they're planning, they're working, they're accusing. Sounds like the Pharisees are working pretty hard. But they're not going to heal, and heal is the worst. Um, Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And the man came up, and, and, you know, sometimes you picture Jesus and the looks on his face when he does something. Um, I'm, a, I'm a process server, okay? My job is I take legal documents to people, I give them to them, and place them under the jurisdiction of the court. So, there's nothing I like better when I'm serving papers than for somebody to say, you can't serve me. I get this little grin on my face. And I go, you're served. And I imagine Jesus at this time, the, hand, the man with the withered hand coming up, and the Pharisee sitting there, you can't heal. And Jesus gets a little grin on his face and says, you can't tell me what to do. And, and the hand is healed. Now, um, Jesus then said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or destroy. You see, the Pharisees would have no problem if he had healed the next day. Okay? Because it's against the law to heal on the Sabbath. So it's not life-threatening. It's, he's, he'll, be, he'll live. He'll be okay. He'll be the same tomorrow. So heal him tomorrow. And what they're saying again is, um, they're upset because they're not, in a sense, controlling when the healing is done. Okay? They don't mind if the healing is done tomorrow. What is the most dangerous word in the world for a follower of Jesus Christ? Paul, tomorrow. I will follow God tomorrow. Now, what have you said? 
I'm not going to follow God. When your kids say, I'm going to do my homework tomorrow, what have they said? Yeah, I'm going to clean up my room tomorrow. Okay? The Pharisees have absolutely no problem with Jesus healing tomorrow. But Jesus says that, that, that any restorative need left unattended, evil triumphs by default. I don't think we want to come to the Lord and hear him say, tomorrow. The rules are designed to honor God and to convey who he is. So on the Sabbath, it's perfectly okay to do a good thing. Are we right now? Thank you. To do a good thing because that's what God is about. He's not about rules. He's not about trying to get you hung up to, to, to get you into a court of law and accuse you of something. Jesus is about the finished work. It is finished. Uh, the Pharisees worried about perspiration, how hard they could work and what they did. Jesus is offering his presence. And I hope you get the difference. Perspiration or presence? Are you working hard to please God? Are you enjoying his presence? Are, are you working hard to obey the rules? Or are you resting in the work that is finished? Are you trying to work yourself into a better situation? Or are you remembering from where God has brought you? I'm going to ask our worship team to come and lead us in a couple of songs, and then we'll have a, a short minute of application uh, before we uh, dismiss. So, application today. For uh, the members of uh, Redemption Hill La Habra, in a culture that tells us that in a culture that's perhaps the most workaholic culture in the history of the world that tells us to work harder buck up and have broader shoulders the message from our God is enter my rest we need to rest we need to remember what God has done the work is finished and he has brought us out of slavery into a family relationship with him. We can look at the cross and say, it is finished. For those today wondering, how hard do I have to work to please God? What else do I have to do? I say to you, enter into his rest today. David in Psalm 93 said, 97, uh, if you hear the voice of the Lord today, do not harden your heart. The most dangerous word in the world is tomorrow. If you're hearing the Lord today, act today.
Today, if you hear his voice, 2 Corinthians 5.21 said, He was made sin on our behalf in order that we might be the righteousness of God. So, turn, greet someone near you, tell them to get some rest, and have a great week. Thank you.